0: This is the Frey podcast, brought to you by thefrey. dot com, a place for women who want more from life. This
1: is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you gonna make a move? Are you gonna come and see? Whatever you wanna do, you know it's cool with me. Hey.
0: Welcome to today's episode. You might have seen the title already and thought, "Huh, that's a pretty heavy title." And I agree with you because parental alienation and interparental hatred is confronting. It's sad, it breaks your heart, it's exhausting, but it's very real. It's very real for so many parents who are trying to navigate co-parenting and find themselves coming up against really difficult, Often controlling, um, and just overwhelming behavior by their co-parent. And so I've invited Jackie Curtis, uh, onto the podcast today. She's been a guest on the podcast before, and I'm sure that you all enjoy hearing from her because Jacqueline is just such a voice of reason and compassion when it comes to these sorts of issues. So Jackie is a founding director of Parker Coles Curtis, and she has worked exclusively in family law for more than a decade. Jackie has assisted clients with a range of disputes. I'm sure she has seen it all. And so in today's conversation, we're talking about what it means to be going through parental alienation, what you can do, how you can support your children, um, how you can, I guess, Learn to try and live with it as best as you possibly can. If there are things that are outside of your control, we also talk about interparental hatred. Um, it's a big, it's a really, really big topic. And as you'll hear Jackie and I say, there's a lot of crossover there between these topics and domestic violence as well. So a trigger warning for all of you who are listening right now. This may bring up things for you if you've had experience with domestic violence, if you've gone through a bad breakup, if you've had difficulties in co parenting. Just be mindful that we do encourage you to practice your own listener discretion, and we have got some resources in the show notes as well. But I think it's an important topic. It's an important topic to put a little bit of light on. You know, hopefully you never go through it yourself, but just In the event that you know someone who could be going through it, it could be incredibly powerful for you to understand the concept and for you to be able to give them the words. I know that I didn't even, like I had never even heard of these things uh, prior to a few years ago and having words and having language surrounding um, someone's experience can just be so helpful to go, oh, okay. I can now see what's happening and whilst it might not make things any easier to a certain extent, it can make things feel less, like you can feel less alone if you understand that there is a name. There's a name for what you're going through and you're not the only one. Okay, so let's get into my conversation with Jackie Curtis. And just to be very clear, anytime, anytime Jackie joins us for the podcast, when she has contributed towards surviving separation, it is, of course, um, general, like a general conversation. It is not prescriptive. It is not individualized advice or guidance. Listening to a podcast should never take the place of seeking your own legal uh, personalized guidance. So, Let's just be really clear about that. Uh, Jackie is wonderful, though, and she does have a special offer for our listeners. So all of those details are in our episode and in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into my conversation with Jackie Curtis. Jackie, thank you so much for agreeing to join me for another podcast. You're welcome. It's great to be back. It's a big topic. Yeah, it's a big one. It's one of those topics that I'm like, oh, I know it's so important to discuss, but it's also one that can be really sensitive. It can be draining. It's not a super uh, inspirational topic to talk about, mm-hmm. but I know that so many people are dealing with it. And that mm-hmm. is parental alienation and interparental hatred.
2: Yeah, that's right. So it it is a heavy topic and I suppose it's probably appropriate to kind of put a little trigger warning on our chat today because some of the behaviours that underlie these concepts and these processes of parental alienation and inter-parental hatred, they do sort of push into the boundaries of what people might consider to be emotional or psychological abuse and sadly, in Australia, we have a real um, significant problem with family violence. Um, I mean, you only need to look at the papers on a, a- everyday basis and you'll see the awful statistics. So please, um, listeners, be conscious that this diff- conversation might be difficult for you. And if you are experiencing family violence, whether you're separated or still in your relationship, reach out to 1-800-RESPECT or your local family lawyer to get some help.
0: Yeah. And we will have all of those resources in our show notes as well. It's definitely one of those topics where there's so much crossover. You know, the more I learn, the more I understand about these topics, the more I can see how there really is such a kind of gray area of, is it bad behavior? Is it abuse? Are they purposefully trying to hurt and control me? Or is this the way that they're coping? Mm -hmm. What's it doing to our kids? There's so many layers, but I guess maybe we start with just defining what it is that these topics mean for those who have never heard of them because, you know, prior to 2019, Mm. I'd not heard of these terms. Yes.
2: Yeah. And look, hopefully most people never will have a need to really understand in a first person sense what this is all about because it's certainly not a pleasant place to be. And it is very nuanced. You know, sometimes you might find yourself in a particular situation and you could be second guessing Is this what's going on for me? Or as you say, is it someone who's just behaved badly today? Um, Probably a third party with some professional expertise, a psychologist, a lawyer can help unpack that for you if you are having questions after today's chat. So parental alienation is a a process that's come out of some American psychiatric literature in which one parent coercively um, facilitates the turning of a child against the other parent typically occurs in a separation environment. Usually it's coupled with a very high conflict dynamic between the parents. And by that, I don't necessarily mean that each parent is engaging in the conflict. It could be that largely that conflict is driven by one person to the other. Um, And this is where sometimes those family violence dynamics um, can arise. Um, And effectively, the parent... Um who's doing the alienate, alienating targets, the other parent um, through use of strategies that they employ on the child to break down the relationship between the child and that parent. And it can be a little bit linked to interparental hatred as well and, and we can we can touch on that in a bit. but um, I'm happy to kind of talk through some of the signs of parental alienation if that would yeah. be useful.
0: I think that would be super helpful. And perhaps even if we just extend on what coercive means, because coercively influencing a child to become alienated from a parent, but also, obviously, I mean, for a lot of listeners, they'll be familiar with the term coercive control as well, which mm-hmm. can come into play in a lot of mm-hmm. separations. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. So coercive control is obviously a concept that is gaining more awareness in our society in recent years. There's been a lot of progression, although there's still lots of work to be done, in understanding all of the different ways that family violence behaviours can happen. We're not talking just about physical violence. We're not talking about just verbal violence. There's now a better awareness, particularly in my industry and and my neck of the woods, that sometimes these behaviours are very subtle Um, Sometimes they're extremely nuanced and they are employed over a long period of time to effectively cause a person to distort their reality, to second guess themselves. Um, The concept of gaslighting is something that I think most people nowadays would have a bit of an understanding of. And that's effectively where someone is so rigid and confident in their view that they start to make you question your own sense of reality, Um, and it can arise in domestic relationships where someone is constantly being made to feel that their experiences are invalid and the other person's experiences are the only correct um, perception or perspective on things. So coercive control is a very hard thing to spot, particularly when you are in the thick of it as the victim, because it's very easily explained by lots of other things. It's quite insidious behaviour. So, again, unpacking it with a professional is sometimes one of the only ways that you can really get a sense of it happening to you because it can be very easily rationalised by a whole range of of different things. And, of course, the person who's engaging in it is an absolute expert in explaining away their behaviour and making you think that you're crazy or you're overreacting or you're just um, clutching at something that's not there. So that's what I mean by coercive conduct and control. Um, So these sorts of strategies, particularly towards kids, as you can imagine as adults, it's hard for us to recognise coercive behaviours sometimes. Kids do not have the life experience, the maturity, the intellect sometimes to know that that's what's going on. Plus they're also in a relationship of dependence with the parent, who is potentially um, engaging in those behaviours to manipulate them um, and effectively um, get at the other parent? So some of the sort of um, indicators, and you can have all of these, you can have some of these, you may have other ones that I don't mention, and they could be pointers to suggest that parental alienation is occurring. Um, Sometimes there can also be rational explanations for things. So I would just caution people to not jump to conclusions without kind of having that conversation with an experienced third party. But the sorts of things that can go on are undermining behaviours by the parent who's doing the alienating to the targeted parent, undermining their parenting, undermining their attitudes, undermining the child's relationship with that parent by causing the child to think that they might be unsafe with that parent or that that parent doesn't love them as much as they should or as much as they do, Um, denigrating the other parent, causing the child to see that parent through a negative lens and causing the child to feel as though they don't have what we call true permission to build their own relationship with the other parent or have have a relationship that is entirely independent and different to what the parents have with each other. Sometimes a parent can become so blinkered through the emotions of the separation that the way that they feel about the other parent, they just lose the concept that their child may have an entirely different experience of the other parent and they assume that the child's feelings and responses and um, dynamic is exactly the same as theirs. So it becomes overwhelmingly negative, um, puts the child in a bit of a loyalty bind Because they start to think that they need to align with that parent's views in order to not offside that parent who's doing the alienating. So, some of the other signs that um, may uh, indicate that parental alienation exists is where the the parent who's um, engaging in the alienating behaviour is offering enticements to the child to encourage them to reject the other parent or limit their time with the other parent. And that can be very wide-ranging. It can be things from having completely lax boundaries um, and rules in their home or it could be, you know, the offering of gifts or opportunities that perhaps the other parent um, doesn't agree with or isn't able to offer with the ultimate goal being that the child eventually entirely rejects the other parent and their relationship comes to an end.
0: And I imagine it's psychologically damaging to the child because a child kind of connects their identity as being half one parent and half the other. So if we are continually denigrating the other parent, they may begin to feel attacked as well themselves as an individual, as well as the other layer of
2: struggle to form that relationship with their other parent. Definitely. And um, often what can occur in a sustained situation of parental alienation is that the child comes to realise that the only way or one of the best ways that they might get favour with their parent who's engaging in alienating behaviour is to mimic or copy or take on their views as well. And when there's a child who's spending time with that parent and, you know, their capacity to navigate tricky situations and navigate conflict is certainly a lot less developed than what we as adults have, they're going to look for survival strategies. And if appeasing a parent is a way for them to effectively survive in in a household or in a parental relationship, that may be in time what they ultimately accede to, even though in the beginning stages they may feel really affronted by the fact that one parent is being negative about the other.
0: Well, it will also give them a way of connecting with a parent, right? right? It's like That's something it's, in common. Yeah, it's this bonding experience of, Absolutely. oh, we're on this team versus that person. It's
2: us versus them type of mentality. Yeah, they can become very united in their negative views about the other parent, so that they're almost interchangeable. Um, you know, the parent has a view of the other parent and sometimes it can stem from relationship problems and have very, very little to do with the child but the child can then become so immersed in this poor attitude that they take it on as their own views as well.
0: Yeah. What can we do if you're in that situation where you feel like the other parent, your co-parent is really leaning into that type of behavior? What can you actually do as the other parent?
2: It's very tricky. And certainly the earlier intervention you can have, the better because it can be difficult to reverse some of the damaging behaviours and the negative attitudes that develop. And broadly, there's, there's two pathways. You can take a therapeutic course and see if some family therapy um, or perhaps even you know a child-centred mediation dynamic um, might help the parents to work through what's at the root of this desire to alienate the other parent. Because more often than not, I would say, anecdotally from what I've seen, it's very little to do with the way that the targeted parent is parenting the child. It's more to do with how the parents feel about each other and the emotions that haven't been processed after the breakup and becoming entrenched in a sense of hatred and hostility and acrimony. So if that can be shifted through some very skilled therapy, then the child's attitudes may start to come around and they may be a softening in terms of allowing this child the permission to have a relationship with the other parent, even if you no longer like that parent, you no longer respect that parent. The other pathway, of course, is a legal one, and that can be obviously very traumatic for everyone involved, but it can be the last resort in order to enforce some boundaries around what is happening. And in extreme cases of parental alienation, the court will often find an entire reversal of care of a child because they are so concerned about the campaign that is going on that the only way of addressing it is to actually suspend all contact between the alienating parent and the child for a period of time to allow the child to develop their own independent way of relating to the targeted parent.
0: How does someone prove that it's happening though? Because I think so much of it would be that insidious uh, mm. insinuations it's subtle it's slight mm. you know it's the sort of stuff that could make you feel like you're going a little bit batty yeah um, and that you can't trust your judgment so how do you even begin to really prove that that's what's actually happening
2: well that can be difficult i would certainly say if you're fearful that you might be in this situation to start gathering your evidence now and that can look like the keeping of text messages keeping a diary to explain what's going on um having people say your child's school or medical um, experts who are interacting with both parents and who are observing the child both with you or both with the other parent, having them keep records as well. Ultimately though, in a court setting, it's usually an expert like a psychologist or a psychiatrist who meets with both of the parents, meets with the children and ultimately identifies what is occurring and and calls it parental alienation. It's certainly not an easy thing to prove. Um, So you really do need to have some skilled professionals around you to help guide you through and help you present your evidence in the most persuasive way possible.
0: It's just so distressing because, you know, you have a child with someone and you think we're going to have this child's best interest at heart. You know, we'll always put aside what's what what our actual best interest is and we'll focus on this child. But then so many people do find themselves in a situation where it feels like their ex hates them more than their ex loves their child and they're willing to use the child in a way to hurt their ex even further or to, I guess, maybe gain like a sense of control or superiority
2: in the situation. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head because that's what I think often happens is they've lost the insight to remember that they love this person enough at some point to have a child with them and they both went into this probably with the best of intentions for their child but those sentiments have been overcome, they've been warped by this sense of, you know, win at all costs or punish or penalise and there's very limited insight for understanding that the child just becomes a pawn in that dynamic so going back to a question about what you can do, limiting conflict as best you can is one way that you can try to mitigate the damage that happens to the child in this context. So not engaging in that conflict, not giving it oxygen to keep going. And that that takes a lot of restraint. Sometimes it takes some conflict coaching. And obviously, if there is a family violence overlay on top of that as well, it's probably going to take a lot of support for you to ensure that you're looking after yourself as well. Um, But absolutely, it is possibly one of the most traumatic and distressing situations a parent can find themselves in when they're going through a separation. And it's an awful thing for a child to experience as well many many In many instances, a child who's been alienated during their childhood statistically have been shown to go on and have a higher risk of separation, divorce, and from being alienated from their own children um, once they're in their adulthood as well. It certainly has a long lasting impact on that child's ability to form lasting relationships,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's so normal that when you go through a separation and when you go through a divorce, you're trying to figure everything out. I think it's really normal to have feelings where you might be disappointed, you might be hurt, you might be mad, you might think, what was I thinking? Why did I not see this stuff before? Like that's all quite normal. But when it crosses that threshold where it's like, no, no, this seems like a hate campaign, it seems like they're trying to control me, like they genuinely seem to have genuine vitriol towards Mm. me. Mm. Where does that come from just, I guess, in your opinion? Do you think that's like an ego thing? Do you, like, why do some people develop it and, and the majority don't?
2: Wow. I mean, I would love to know the answer to that question because I think it would get a lot of people out of the court system because those kinds of people that are really stuck in that mindset of anger and hate post-separation are more likely than not the people who end up in court for many years in high acrimony and hostile situations. But if I'm speculating, I think a lot of it probably comes from not properly processing those emotions after a separation and becoming stuck in them and entrenched in your poor view of the other parent. I mean, everyone, as as you've acknowledged, Kylie, when you've gone through a separation, you're not going to feel the best about your partner at that point in time. In fact, you may be absolutely entitled to think and feel the worst of them, but it's about getting that ability to put that to rest and shelter your child from those emotions, even if you can't move on from them, sheltering your child from seeing them in you, in your words, in in your behaviours. I think some of the other um, contributing factors as to why people are like this is it can come down to their individual pathology or their personality traits. There can be some complicated sets of personality characteristics out there that do make people more likely to engage in controlling behaviours or narcissistic behaviours. Those sorts of difficult personality um, combinations can make it really hard a person to change their behaviors or even have insight about their behaviors yeah and that can be a challenging thing and the last one really is if people have had trauma in their own past sometimes that impacts on the way that they process things and the way that they behave
0: yeah I've often wondered and I can't recall exactly when or where this conversation took place, but I know it was one um, that, that was had over the last couple of years. But I've wondered about with interparental hatred specifically, if that can be a coping tool for someone who still loves their partner, you so, know, right. as a way of like, the only way I can make sense of this divorce is to hate them with yeah. like the fire of a thousand sons and yeah. to make their life hard because I'm not really willing to acknowledge that I still love them.
2: That's true and some, for some people that conflict and maintaining that conflict allows them to keep a connection with their ex-partner and for yes. them that is more palatable than completely letting go. They're simply unable to let go and so maintaining that campaign of alienation or interparental hatred is their last and only remaining means of staying connected um, in its own little warped way to their former relationship.
0: And it is so hard to like cut yourself off from communication when you have to co-parent with this person, you know, (laughs) because it's easy to be like, Oh, don't give them a leg to stand on or don't let them control you anymore. But it's like, no, no, I actually have to communicate with that 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 person. And they actually do impact me because, you know, maybe they don't give you the information that you need Mm -hmm. to know where and when you're going to get your child. Like there's so many ways that they still impact you that, it's such an unfair thing to say at times to someone, oh, just disengage.
2: Yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And you also don't yeah. want to put your kids in the position of having to be the go-between either because that creates a different level of pressure for kids and exposes them sometimes beyond, you know, what they need to be exposed to. And, look, no one is no one is perfect and we all have our moments of vulnerability and I think it's okay for kids to see that too. You know, we're not robots things do upset us. Human behaviour is a complicated thing, but I think it's about owning that and not always demonstrating to your kids a negative attitude towards the other parent. You know, they can do something that you disagree with. They can, you know, lose your respect in certain ways, but you have to just bear in mind that that might not be how their child is also feeling about them. That's how you're feeling about them.
0: Yes. And that's, what you do when you have your children's best interests at heart yes
2: yeah Yeah. I think you know child-centered is kind of where we always come from put yourself in your child's shoes if I'm you know upset crying raging about something that my ex has done in the presence of my child or I'm reflecting it to them projecting it on them and wanting them to participate in that moment what's that experience like for them yeah. It's pretty challenging and it's pretty destabilizing because, as you said before, they identify a part of themselves in the other parent.
0: So, if someone is experiencing parental alienation or interparental hatred, I guess a couple of the things, like the only things they can really do, and please feel free to extend on this, but you know, it includes documenting. Yep. It includes trying not to add. Feel to the fire trying not to engage in conflict it also I imagine would be helpful to have a therapist that you can go and speak to
2: and offload and talk it all out process all of your emotions where you can let go because as I said no one's robot we all need that download so having a person that you can do that with so that you're less likely to lose it in the moment when your child's there and some strategies around how to help you not lose it in the moment too
0: Yes, and I was going to say and maybe some conflict coaching, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. learning how the, how to actually be responsible for your part in it and also, I guess, how to protect yourself mm-hmm. as
2: well. Putting some boundaries in place as well about what you will and won't tolerate and making them clear and sticking with them within the prism of I need to co-parent with this person because obviously, as you say, you can't completely um, turn off the ability to communicate with them by necessity you're going to have to but there can be things that you can put in place to manage that for yourself and I think probably the only other one would be to get some support for your child too whether that's you know a psychologist a school counselor a helpful aunt or uncle who they can just go and download to or go and be with free from the pressure of how mum and dad or both parents feel about each other um, giving them a break from some of that tricky, complex dynamic, which is hard for kids to navigate, and just letting them be a kid. That can be a really powerful um, and helpful way of managing it for them.
0: Yeah, and perhaps having a chat with a lawyer as well, just to understand what your what your rights are and what your yeah. position is.
2: Yeah, a lawyer should be able to kind of work with you through those indicators and some of the criteria that I talked about earlier, And make a bit of an assessment with you about how immediate your situation is and whether some sort of urgent intervention is required before it deteriorates Um, or whether it's a watch and see and uh, find some other tools to manage the situation. They can help you work through those choices and obviously guide you through legal processes if that's where you need to be at.
0: It's such a hard one if you are experiencing it because, you know, if you're not the parent who is engaging in parental alienation and you're not the parent who is experiencing waves of hatred towards the other, you still feel so much guilt towards the experience Mm -hmm. that is happening for your children. And I think I just want to acknowledge that because for anyone going through it, it's so uh, complicated, it's so exhausting, you can just feel so emotional, but getting some support getting some information, understanding what's happening, I think is helpful. Even just having these Mm. words is helpful. Mm -hmm. Just knowing, oh, there's a term for this.
2: Yeah, this is not something that's in my mind or I'm not being paranoid or, you know, I'm not overreacting. This is something that genuinely exists and leads to poor outcomes. And I think, as you say, there is that guilt in perhaps feeling helpless about the situation, which comes from the fact that we can't change other people's behaviours, but we can change our responses to them and we can help our child to learn how to manage their responses to them. So I guess there's an acceptance in in knowing that you can't necessarily stop the parental alienation from happening or to stop it, it's going to take some fairly significant measures. Another way of dealing with it is to sort of try to manage the fallout and and build up those strategies around you and your child um, to help you see it through.
0: Where can our listeners connect with you? I know that you have a special offer for a limited number of listeners should they need some legal support.
2: Yeah, we do. So um, my team, Parker Coles Curtis, is an accredited specialist-led team of family lawyers. We are very happy to connect with your listeners to talk about all things parenting, good, bad and ugly, and all things related to divorce and separation. Um, And we're happy to offer free 30-minute consults for listeners Um, for a limited number of people who get in touch. So we'd love to hear from you.
0: Amazing. I will have all of those details in the show notes and I'm sure that this will have been a very, very helpful episode for a lot of people who are in this situation. So thank you for your wisdom
2: and your time on the topic. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Oh